Hi, everybody. Kel Weinhold from The Professor is In. Welcome to the new version of our podcast. We are recording our podcast live on Wednesday afternoons at 2 p.m. Pacific. Make sure you subscribe to The Professor is In newsletter to be sure and get that link if you'd like to join us live. Or you can listen to the edited version in the podcast form the following Tuesday. If you'd like to support the live or the podcast, you can head over to bit.ly slash ourpod, B-I-T dot L-Y slash O-U-R-P-O-D and help support these ongoing programs. Thanks a lot. And we look forward to hearing from you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Professor Is In podcast. I am Dr. Karen Kelsky of The Professor Is In. And I am Kel Weinhold, surprisingly also from The Professor Is In. We are delighted that you're here with us today. Yes, and today we are going to talk about professionalism. Mm -hmm. So, So we were following a thread on Twitter with academic chatter and academic chatter used to be a hashtag. Now it's a, it's also a um, handle. It's a great account to follow, but there was a really interesting conversation going on about the question of what is professionalism and so many interesting comments. And certainly we have um, had plenty of opportunity to think about and talk about and rail on about that. And so that we wanted to talk about it today and, and see what the, what people had to say. So the first question we wanted to ask all of you out there, when we say the word professionalism. Hey, Kel. Yeah. uh, Something has just happened to your audio. What do you mean? Uh, It's gotten a bunch, it's gotten real choppy. Like it's cutting out every third word or so. You kind of, it was like, almost like you bumped something as you were turning and then all of a sudden your audio got. got Yeah, I did bump my microphone, but it, mm-hmm. is it still bad? No, no, it's fine. Okay. So um, once again, so the word that we want you to respond to, and we'd love to hear your comments to is when we say the word professionalism, as it relates to the academy, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? What's the first thing that you think of when you hear the word professionalism in your field? I think Karen, you and I can 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 answer that same question. So you know, we come from we come from different and yet similar backgrounds. So here's one comment from somebody: How I talk, act, and interact with white colleagues to make them feel safe, centered, and important in all the conversations in all parts of academic life. Oh my goodness! That's you nailed it right there, right? <laughs> wow. How I talk, act, and interact with white colleagues to make them feel safe, centered, and important in all the conversations in all the parts of academic life. Wow. Right? Yeah. Yep. And and what you said right there is 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 a is a consistent thread in the Twitter dialogue, and we'll quote a few people from that. And um, I think that's uh, you nailed it in the in the in the one of the readings of professionalism. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody on Facebook says it being used against me because I spoke up and a white guy didn't like it. Mm-hmm. But the other side. And they, I would say that on, um, on Zoom, someone has said professionalism is upholding the status quo. Right. 
and but also professionalism is being able to maintain boundaries and and that's really one of the most compelling i mean i shouldn't say most compelling so there's a lot of really compelling engagements with this but there was one on the twitter feed that karen i know you did a screen capture of about sort of the definition of professionalism based on the word profession Mm-hmm. Are you able to access that? Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, obviously, um, we are very much uh, in sync with the definitions that are coming up now about right. about whiteness and so on. But I, but I, well, you were struck by this: uh, a profession is a job where there is a power slash knowledge imbalance between you and the beneficiary with an expectation that you will not exploit that and will reasonably work in the beneficiary's best interest. Being professional means meeting that expectation. And who's the, who's the, what's the account? Right. That's Robert J. Smalley. Right. And he's coming from a medical background. I don't know him, but I, but he has uh, various medical things in his bio. Um, And I actually had in all of my life and career, professional life, I'd never heard uh, the word professional actually defined in that way. I'd never even considered that there was a definition for a, for the professional fields. But as soon as I read that, I thought, yeah, I I get that. I get that there's this knowledge imbalance and there's supposed to be um, kind of an ethics by which the person with the greater knowledge will work for the benefit of the person with lesser knowledge. And so what I think is interesting about that, if we parse that out of the different levels of, of your place in the academy, right? So if you go with the, with the you're the undergrad, then that ethical, then the person in power over you, your faculty member, or you as a, you know, that, that there's a power imbalance there and professionalism on the part of that faculty member is maintaining the highest ethics for your benefit. Mm-hmm. And so then, and, and I think we get really clear about that I mean, we're pretty clear about that in our shared understanding of the power dynamic that we were supposed to be there for undergraduates, right, in a particular way. And I feel like as we move up, right, and so then we move into the graduate student mentor relationship, that that, if you want to use that as the definition of professionalism, it starts to fall apart pretty quickly when you look at professionalism as this maintaining of of whiteness and the status quo and what makes people people comfortable because if you stick with that then you immediately lose the the ethical responsibility to the student mm-hmm. to your mentee mm-hmm. you see you what i'm saying you don't have there? to you wouldn't necessarily have to you could continue to mentor the uh, graduate students with the same ethics of of working in their best interest and supporting them in their endeavors uh, it's just that, well, so why does that, why, why, it, why does it become, why does the protection of whiteness become so much more central in, in grad student training? Because I think that the, well, that there's a lot of reasons. I mean, there's institutional racism, I mean, systemic racism, there's all that. And I don't want to toss that off as well, there's that little thing. There's that big giant soup. But what I feel like, you know, we talk about disciplines a lot and, and that the, the point of a discipline is to, is to shape you in the form of what people perceive that discipline to be. And that, pers- that discipline has been shaped by white males. So there, it's going to, to tell you to be professional is to be like a white male. Mm-hmm. And so it, that's what, to my mind, that's how it slips into that. And, you know, let's just- because- let's, well, because because you're training people to uh, to uh, theoretically occupy the same 
location that you, the advisor, occupy. So you have this massive ego investment. Right. And them replicating what you are and what you are is someone presumably by and large who is either a white male or is standing in for white male comfort or prioritizing right. white male comfort. Well, and let's not just make and it white male. white comfort. Yeah. Let's, let's not- just say white comfort because yeah. I think. So, but what about, so let's, I'd love to hear comments about what I, I understand, like, I, I want to put a pin in that and I want to come back to it, but I also want to get over to this other part of professionalism is basically how it's weaponized to do that, right? That we can mm-hmm. say doing all these things to make white people comfortable, but I think it's worth it to, to tease out what those were, what mm-hmm. those are. So like I come from a working class background. I spent most of my you know, teen and young adult life having people tell me what I needed to do to be professional, to be in the workplace, right? How I needed to change my clothes, change my hair, change my, the, how much space I took up, how loud I was, any one of those things. So I'm interested in where, what the messages people got as they were growing up that had to do with comportment and clothing and hair. And because I know I will own that I have used in my life, that is not professional. I've seen somebody, I mean, I have been way over in, you name it, classism, misogyny, you name it. And, and so I'm really interested in what, if you had a one word, any one of you that you were just going to toss in that your parents or your system taught you, you needed to have to be professional. What was it there? I mean, you have to have a degree, you have to have this or that, but what did you have to do in a space to be perceived of as professional? Because I feel like for me, it's so much about the containment of bodies. Like, yeah, I'm thinking about like, you know, professional dress, but and I have a lot more to say about this, but I'm just working with your, I'm working with your question right now before I bring in a bunch of other stuff, but, um, you know, uh, modest, you know, office ready dress, you know, jackets, suits, things like that. Modest is a word I just love. It's so, uh-huh. it's so gendered. It's so gendered. And it's so like, uh, Yeah. Like women are responsible for keeping all their parts covered up so we don't get distracted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not, not speak up. Not speak up, roll with it, silence. Cut off your hair, mm-hmm. short back and sides. That's what contain my affect, right? Uh, not uh, be loud. Right. And right. also um, not uh, obviously not use profanity, <laughs> which is just reminding me of our lunch in in new york city when i uh we were meeting academic friends not for an academic reason but they're friends who happen to be academic and i kind of went off <laughs> there's, there's an understatement <laughs> just how many times can you say fuck loudly in a japanese restaurant <laughs> and uh and everybody was like karen karen, shh, karen shh, shh, inside voice and i th- i was been thinking about that over and over because it was like that was really like, that was really one. It's not, it wasn't meant to be, it wasn't a professional setting, obviously it was, it was lunch, but still it was like, wow, you know, the line between what's considered appropriate and inappropriate is very much policed. So, right. So here's an interesting comment. Professionalism 
riddle is riddled with neoliberal values. It focuses on individual deficits and use it as a weapon to correct what is perceived as deviant behavior. And so that whole idea of be quiet, contain your voice, contain your body, all of those things are so written into that, that top-down who, who designed this system and you have to act like this system if you want to belong. Mm -hmm. Now, let's, 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 let's talk about the hard part of this, right? Let's well, talk wait, about- Wait, I want to read, I want to read my thing. Um, so Chris, Christiana uh, Binkley, in response to the What is Professionalism by Academic uh, Chatter, said TBH, usually professional, is thinly veiled preference for whiteness, how to dress, style hair, talk, behave, etc. Deconstructing professionalism would allow us to embrace diversity, differences, and change, which improves our work and humanity. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We're in the business of, of training people how to talk like white men. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we, you come to us and we say, here's how you have to write your letter. Here's how you have to do your job talk. Here's how, how you have, you know, and, and I think we have for years said, here's how you have to, mm -hmm. if you want to get a job, you have to do this. And, and I think, well, oh, I mean, yeah, for, for a number of years, I did. I mm -hmm. stopped that. It's, to be honest, that's actually why I'm not interested in blogging anymore mm -hmm. is because that's kind of, you have to is, uh, which was so much my voice when, for the, for the first years of the blog, um, it's, I'm not interested in doing that anymore. But yeah, definitely now my message is so much more, here's, okay, here's what's effective as for quote unquote professional behavior. If you are thinking that this completely reinforces a white male normativity, you are 100% right, it absolutely does. You can totally deviate from it if you want to, but know that that is the standard by which you're being evaluated. Right. Well, okay. I understand that we're doing that now, but, but mm -hmm. I, I don't want to just jump over, mm. like, I don't want to just jump over the years of dress like this, talk like this, walk like Definitely. this, because I do yes. think that, that, that if we're going to talk about professionalism as an organization that has been devoted to professionalized professionalism, professionalizing that we have to look at where the, like where the thin lines are and where the struggles are. And and I was, I was helping, I was not helping, I was coaching a, um, a woman on a job talk and we were going through the job talks, black woman. And, and at one point she tipped her head and looked at me and she said, so you're basically trying to get me to talk like every other white academic out there. And I said, yeah, that's pretty much it. You're right. Yeah. You're right. And, and certainly if anybody had said that to me before, I would have said yes, but I, but it's one of those things of saying, okay, is there a way that I, I'm constantly stuck in this thing of what you have to do to get in, but does what have you have to do to get in so completely crush you that then change is so hard? So I don't know what, I just think that it's incredibly complicated to talk about for us. It's incredibly complicated to talk about how do I support you in, in playing this game mm -hmm. and the what's unwritten. Mm -hmm. And then how do I, without saying this has to be the way it is. Mm -hmm. So anyway. And without the advice being more violence and the imposition of those norms. Right. So that we're not doing more violence in the service of those norms. Right. 
And, mm -hmm. and, and somebody else here is commenting that we have left out. I mean, they're not saying this, but I feel like I have felt like this so far that we have consistently left out queerness, mm -hmm. right? Cause, cause you know, the, the, the policing of me and my body is very different than the policing of you and your body, mm -hmm. because I'm visibly queer and you are not visibly queer by standards that other people use. So this idea of trying to get you to behave a way to get a job. I remember the first job I ever applied to that I decided to just go ahead and wear a suit to mm -hmm. like, I'm just going to wear a suit because that's what I feel comfortable in, in my body. It was, it was an outrageous act mm -hmm. in the, in the, in the place. Mm -hmm. And so a men's suit, a men's suit, right? yeah. Men's suit. Right? Yeah. Not a, not a, not a little skirt suit with a little blouse. <laughs> Just, I mean, <laughs> yeah. So, right, right. There's a comment on Zoom that says, like, speaking of the voice of the committees, we wanted you to be queer because diverse makes us look good, but like, dial that back again, bit, right? So, there's this, like, don't come here as your full self because we don't know what to do with it. You figure out how to make us comfortable. And that gets back to that professionalism as a control mechanism. So, yeah. I don't even know what else to say about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm just interested. I mean, I'd love to hear from you all who are listening, especially those of you who are on um, Facebook with us today. I'd love to hear the ways that you have been policed uh, around professionalism and, and the scope that you see of being able to challenge it, I guess. Have you succeeded in challenging it in the academy or in any other professional setting? Uh, do you think it's changing? I mean, I'm interested in that as well. I, I, I do think there's probably, I do think there's more, a slightly more scope now than there was 10 years ago or 20 or 40 years ago, but nevertheless, it's incredibly, incredibly rigid. Wow. I'm reading a comment right now. I worked as a legal assistant at a law firm and went to law school before becoming a professor. And one of the firm's partners told me point blank, use your whole package in front of the judge, bat your eyelashes, wear a shorter skirt until you get justice. <laughs> I don't even know. Oh my God, wear a shorter skirt until you get justice. Yeah. So, but I also think that speaks to one of the things that I was talking with somebody about today is the danger of the senior female. Mm -hmm. So we were talking about, I was talking with, with somebody in one of my productivity groups about how senior women who have made it to a particular level um, take, take over that space as the white woman controlling the system by making everybody behave. The police. By, by police. Professionalism police. The professionalism police. That's not the way they're dressed. That's not the way to act. Or this is the way that you weaponize your gender for your benefit. So, so as younger people are trying to step out and do something, they're being pulled back. Mm -hmm. They're being actually pulled back by senior white women. Mm -hmm. And so I think, I think it's really interesting to think about what are you willing to do? Like, what are you willing to compromise in what the compromise is the wrong word? What are you willing to dial back in order to get in. Mm -hmm. I was told by the provost that my mere presence, 
that my mere presence advocates a homosexual lifestyle as a reason to keep me from participating in admissions activities. Wow. Now that doesn't surprise, I mean, that does not surprise me at all. I have had, I'm 60. I started working in the academy when I was 30. And there were a number of things that I was not, it was clear that I was asked, not asked to do because it was going to be in front of students. I mean, parents. Mm-hmm. And then in the progress of that over the years, by the time I left was a person who was at admissions, things and stuff like that. So it was okay to have a visibly queer person by the early 2000s, mm-hmm. but it certainly wasn't earlier than that. So that doesn't surprise me at all, especially if you're at a small conservative university. And we should be really careful not to um, inadvertently reinforce some kind of linear progress narrative. Oh yeah. Right. Because, right. No, right. no, no. I didn't mean you were. I just meant that, um, is the, that the, that the, uh, horrible, horrific dystopian laws that are being passed everywhere now against trans people and L- and LGBTQ people in general in various States are trying to, are trying to turn that back are trying to make us unacceptable again. Right. And, right. And Absolutely. hide us away and, and D you know, whatever. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's scary. We have some interesting comments coming in, but before I forget, and I, I will read them, but Kel, what we're talking about, this whole issue, you skipped real quickly over, can you compromise on these things uh, and then get into the system and then be your full self once within the right, system? Right. Reminded me of the conversation that we had in the car as we were driving out to Grocery Outlet, where you were telling me the story of the person of the senior woman who yeah, that was the one I was referencing before. Yeah. Who wouldn't speak up. Right. Who right. wouldn't speak up when her tenured position um, access to the dean when asked to help deal with an equity issue. And she said, oh, but you ha- I have to be careful. And it's like, well, you have tenure. Right. Right. What are you being careful for them? And that's <laughs> professionalism, in my opinion. I think it's professionalism. And I think professionalism gets, is the cloak for access to power. Mm-hmm. Like behave in a way that you can keep access to power. Mm-hmm. And right. I think that's really addictive that you don't want to be left out, right? right? Here's a comment. Something I've been giving a lot of thought to is that although it is uplifting to see people who live at the intersection of marginalized identities, we are still being heavily steered toward performing, quote, stiff cis hetero whiteness, end quote, as this is the group people forever associate with academia. Right. And I think, I mean, I guess absolutely. And, and this is something I have to challenge myself with. This is a big challenge for me because, because I grew up with those work ethic, you know, climb higher, get further up, you know, be more this. Mm -hmm. I got policed by my parents about appropriate behavior. This is how you dress. This is how you talk. This is what you do. I know that seems a little bit hard to believe right now when you listen to how much I swear, but truly I, you know, this, I went through a whole stretch of like playing the game and I still have, I recognize my reactions to people I think of as not acting professional. And it is absolutely that cis hetero whiteness. Mm -hmm. And, and so I think that we have to constantly challenge, not only where we're limiting ourselves, but where are we looking at other people and saying, this is what a job talk should be. Mm-hmm. This is what your answer, this is how it should be structured. We do it. I do a job talks thing and tell you how to do a job talk. I'd have, I have to go back and look and see whether it allows for that 
diversity that we're talking about. But yeah, I just think this is the place when you start looking at other people in the academy and you feel your police mind, because I think of it as policing, when your police mind comes up and says, you should, first of all, that's you're on your way to prison, making mm -hmm. prisons, but you should, that's the place where we are, where we are devoted to a professional idea. I'm, I'm incredibly embarrassed by my older blog posts. Yeah. Many of them of which are very, you know, I, I really embrace the voice of being very um, harangue and, you know, do this, don't do that. And, you know, that was my trademark, but a lot of it now, when I look back on like what to wear, which at the time was really valuable in the sense that nobody would ever speak about what to wear. It was those, it was that unspoken knowledge that was being also being weaponized to keep outsiders out. Mm -hmm. Because if you didn't understand the quote unquote professional norms of dress, you, um, you would, you would break those norms and you would be kept out of the positions, which was exactly what the system wanted. So at the time it was really transgressive to actually say, he wear this, not that. But then late, very, you know, within a few years later, it was like, good Lord, you know, um, you know, heteronormative much, you know, uh, right. <laughs> cisgender much. It was, so it was, uh, it's a, it's a something that desperately needs um, redoing. And I think there's another really interesting comment here that speaks sort of to what you're talking about, but on the flip side, right? So as a grad student, I wore a lot of dresses in computer science. A senior research professor in biology told me that how I dress is how secretaries dress, classism much, mm -hmm. and women in research wear pants. I told her I come to the lab before everyone and I leave at 8 p.m. If people think I'm less capable because of my dress, then that's their problem. Mm -hmm. And that really is it. And it is with the with the whole external judgment thing of the academy, it is really hard to stand in that space and say, I'm going to show up in what I want to wear, in how I want to wear my hair, in whether I'm going to wear a hat or not a hat, or I'm going to wear a dress or not a dress or, you know, it's, that's not your problem. Am I doing my job? And, and I think that that doesn't get asked enough. It doesn't get asked like, are you doing your job? Then I don't care what you're wearing. Mm -hmm. Well, you're you need making, to make sure that you're making me feel weird things. <laughs> <laughs> so you must not be doing your job. Right. 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 Mm -hmm. um, you're a bad so, colleague. Right. You're not, too, if, if I'm making you, you're making me uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So another thing is um, what the what the boundary is between quote being in and not becoming a problem with waiting, right? I tried to wait before being quote too loud in my new field and I ended up being like, if not now, then when will I be able to? It's just too much. So now I'm just loud. Mm -hmm. and and I talk about that with folks who are interviewing and in, in our interview interventions and say, you know, they'll say, well, I don't want them to think I'm this or that. And it's like, yeah, but if you are that and you cover that up and they accept you, you don't know you're, you're okay there. And if you're, and if you are that and they don't hire you, you don't want to be there, but it's really hard when you're just trying to find a job to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to mask whatever I can here. And so I can get in here and then I'll be myself. And I think it's, it's really hard. It's a hard, I just want to acknowledge for everybody that none of these are easy decisions. And I don't have a lot of judgment about people choosing 
to go ahead and, you know, go 100% with our advice and say, nope, I'm going to learn how to do this all. I'm going to learn how to talk the talk, walk the walk there. Now hire me. Now we'll move along. Or the people go, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing it until you see me for how I'm doing it. I'm, I like them both. It's either my way or, or I'm not doing it at all. Right. Yeah, and, and I, the both both of those options and everything in between because each of each each uh, every battle is its own battle. So in the meeting with the dean, you might choose one thing. In the meeting with your chair, might choose something different. The meeting, you know, in front of your classroom, you might choose something different. So it's not like it's just it's it's not universal for for a lot of people. Yeah, and it's and it's it's not universal and it's, and I think it changes over time. And there's a, there's a comment on the, uh, on the thread that says, I lost my filter over time, worried about that pre-tenure, of course, but I just hit the point where I was like, I've softened and protected people's feelings long enough, got tenure. Now I'm just telling it like it is. If it shakes you up that badly, that's your shit. Nine mine, not mine said after decades of self-policing and other policing for context. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that that's one of the things that, that, I've seen happen with COVID is that people are just worn out and all the, all the pretenses that they could keep up before are, there's not a lot of energy for them. Like, I don't have energy for what your idea of professionalism is because I'm just trying to get my damn job done. So why don't you just sit down and shut up and I'll do my job and we'll all be good. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. Well, we have another, yeah, someone said so much subjectivity and bias, right? Absolutely. And that's where, you know, the, the whole fit thing comes in, in, um, you know, campus visits and so on, because that's uh, 48 hours on campus when they're in person of, of just exercise basically in bias, (laughs) you know, whether you are, you know, there was a story a couple of years back of a young younger uh, woman PhD who wore a cocktail dress to a campus visit. I remember it got a lot of play at the time. And, you know, everybody kind of piled on about her lack of professionalism. Mm-hmm. And, and looking back on it now, you know, it was very much, everybody felt really entitled to do that. There was, you know, there was some opposition to it, but basically it was like, uh, you know, that was completely outrageous. And why would anyone do that? And of course, she's clearly not meant for academia. And it was just a bunch of assumptions that all were revolving around, you know, wearing a cocktail dress. That- well, and they're, they're revolving around class and they're revolving around misogyny. And if you're too feminine or you're too, mm-hmm. or if you don't know the rules or you don't know the right clothes and you don't know which fork goes where and you don't know that there's a, you know, like we're suddenly in a, in an episode of, of the Gilded Age and you have to know that this fork goes in this place. Nothing, nothing infuriates me more than the silverware. <laughs> I never thought of it, but you're so right. I mean, a campus visit is like, for a lot of people is like being dropped into the Gilded Age. Right. It's right. like, oh my God, like, what do I don't know? You know, it's so classist. Anyway, anyways, so I I, I guess for me, the 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 this is the place where we can dig in, really dig in if we have a commitment to diversifying the academy. If we're if what we're saying is that we want a diverse academy and you and I've said this before, but if we want a diverse academy, then we have to have diverse expression. And that means diverse ways to deliver information diverse, diverse ways to deliver your body into the room, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. In the diverse clothes, voice, hair, 
mobility, even the the thing of I can't be in the room right now because I'm immunocompromised. So this has to be on Zoom. But we until we start to break apart this idea of what professionalism is, and you know, for those of you who have watched us for years, this is a question we have regularly. We we have adapted what we do over time, but we're still like, okay, all right, where are we falling into these traps? And I think it starts with this kind of policing around what professionalism is. And man, I'm gonna say again, I was raised in it, steeped in it, had it beaten into me. Well, me too. <laughs> Literally and figuratively. Even... My parents didn't even in my early days, I wasn't even supposed to say, yeah, I was supposed to say oh, yes. Yes. Oh, you too. Mm -hmm. mm. You yeah, couldn't say I geez. Really, I had a se major serious boomer. Yeah. Hardcore boomer upbringing. Mm -hmm. so I don't know. Fully answer every, every mm -hmm. sentence, fully answer adults with a, with a, with a, um, mm -hmm. with an honorific. Mm -hmm. Um, did you grow up um, not uh, supposed to not refer to your mother, your mom and dad as he or she? No, we, we could use pronouns. You mean like say mother or father instead of a, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and, the, and the last comment here is just to follow up. It's, it feels like a social class issue. It feels like a social class issue. People from different classes are perceived to be less attuned to the quote, correct behavior enforced to self-censure their identity in order to adapt. And I'm going to say, I'm going to go back and watch the Gilded Age through the lens of the nouveau riche upstarts who are trying to break into New York as the new academics try to come in with all their wild and crazy ideas about how things should be done, because it's, it's a telling look at how systems of power, what they try to do to maintain systems of power, to maintain a stranglehold on their location. Yeah. And I know this is tossing in a, a data point late in the, when we're trying to wrap up, but uh, there's also the issue of something as simple as a handshake, mm -hmm. uh, which of course we don't do now, but when we did, Muslim women who are not going to shake hands with a man. Right. And because I've had uh, clients who asked me how to handle that. And that is, so in other words, it's, it's also cultural differences, religious differences. I mean, there's so many, as well as, you know, queer and um, racial and ethnic and all of these different um, things come into play, all of which just basically, if they're left unchallenged, reinforce the comfort of white people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So think about it. Write to us. Tell us where you fall into it. Tell us where you um, see it used against you. Tell us what you think could be done differently. What is the next time we go and we have lunch with our academic friends? What do we need to tell them about? Hey, pay attention to this thing when you're when you're interviewing new candidates. Hey, what, 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 let's start a haranguing of the powers that be instead of the people the, mm -hmm. the people trying to mm -hmm. to do that. So, thanks for joining us. Great conversation. I always appreciate your your um, written contributions. It makes for a great discussion. We'll see you next week. Bye.